0: During menopause, when a woman stops producing estrogen, it has all kinds of effects on her body, on her skin, her hair, her heart and bones, and on her brain. In other words...
1: Menopause sucks. I don't think people realize how
0: bad it is. I mean, like, not for all women, but for some. Like my friend Janet. You have like this alien taking over your body. And for my friend Cynthia.
2: I was having a series of mini nervous breakdowns. You
0: wake up in the middle of the night and you're like sweating. I would be
2: weepy. Like soaking sheets. And foul-tempered. Dripping in sweat. Depressive cycles that were
0: pretty deep. I would sometimes literally stick my head in the freezer. From my home studio in Washington, D.C., this is Midway. I'm Barbara Paulson. And this is the second episode about menopause. You don't need to have heard the last episode to understand this one, but to summarize, at this point in our story, I'm thinking of starting to take hormone replacement therapy to shore up my flagging energy, maybe lose some weight, get that fire back in my belly. But I'm aware that there are two ways of looking at this so-called hormone decision. There are those who say, look, women didn't used to live to be 90. Now we spend 40 years, nearly half of our lives, without the sex hormones that kept our arteries clear, our bones strong, our skin supple. Taking hormones is just a case of modern medicine fixing a situation that modern medicine created, which is the gift of our extended lifespan. But then there's the other camp, who say, menopause, the loss of hormones, is not a disease. It's the natural aging process. And an enormous study that looked at whether replacing those hormones with pharmaceutical drugs totally backfired and ended up harming more women than it helped. So why are we even talking about this? Because, that study? Its results got completely distorted.
2: We out together on our bicycles and I just was crying so hard that I couldn't see to ride the bicycle and I just sat down on the sidewalk and said, I'm, I hate it that I have to stay alive for all these people who care about me.
0: That's my friend Cynthia again. This story starts for me. She started taking hormones years ago to ease her hormone-related depression. She used this transdermal patch that delivered estrogen through her skin, kind of like one of those nicotine patches. And she stopped, like so many women, after the bad news about that study.
2: The study was halted. Every health organization, including, I'm sure, those that you had helped run, had these screaming headlines saying, biggest study ever shows that HRT is bad for you, stop doing it. And everybody I know, we all stopped doing it. What happened within a few months of my going off the estrogen patches is that Not only did the depressive periods come back, but they got fiercer and fiercer. And then after about, I don't know, I I would guess it was like three or four years, I hit a really bad depression. That was the worst that I had ever confronted.
0: The worst, because for the first time she became suicidal.
2: I would be a happier person if I did not exist. I know I have obligations in this world to my family, and I'm not allowed to do it myself, but I would be very glad if something or some occurrence just took me out. And, um, wow, yeah, it was bad.
0: Cynthia is the one who first alerted me to what she found when she reported on her experience for the New York Times.
2: I was starting to read things about the Women's Health Initiative study that made me think, I don't think we quite got the right message here.
0: So here's the situation. You have a drug that women are taking after they reach menopause, typically around the age of 51.
2: They have never really tested this in a giant scale way.
0: And you want to find out whether this drug actually helps to prevent heart disease and save lives. The
2: problem with the study was it was the wrong drugs on the wrong cohort of people.
0: Let's start with the second point. The wrong cohort of people. Instead of testing the drug on the very women who are deciding whether to take it, women in their 50s, most of the women in the study were actually women in their 60s, 70s, even 80s. And they'd started taking hormones a decade or more past menopause. Why was this? So this is really weird. But Cynthia explains that one of the reasons the researchers enrolled so many older women is that...
2: Women typically don't develop heart attacks or stroke until they're older. So they needed to find the women who were likely to produce what they called significant events if those were going to occur, heart attacks and strokes.
0: They needed to see which ones would get sick or die first.
2: It was a very controversial study with some people defending it, many
0: attacking it. Well, and the people who were defending it were saying, we are contemplating putting older women on these drugs as to yes. help with heart disease. So. It's important that we find this out. That is correct. To get the inside scoop on why more women in their 50s weren't included in the study, I called up Robert Langer.
1: And I'm going to put you on speaker,
0: too. He's an epidemiologist and one of the study's principal investigators. Thanks so much for agreeing to. He says newly menopausal women in their 50s. Younger women. He calls them younger women. Thank you, Dr. Langer.
1: Got thrown under the bus
0: were, as he puts it, thrown under the bus by the misleading way the study results were announced. That just seems crazy to me. I told him I didn't understand why so few women in their 50s were included in the study. And I asked him, wasn't the whole point to prove once and for all that HRT could prevent future disease for women in the throes of menopause?
1: No, the the intent of the WHI...
0: And he said no. Langer says the study wasn't even about whether hormone replacement was a good idea for women in their 50s. Scientists already knew it was. Plenty of studies back that up. What they were trying to find out was whether women well past menopause. Women 60 and older should also get on the drugs.
1: To see if what we already thought was true for younger women would hold for older women.
0: And they found that hormones do not prevent disease in older women. And that's really important. But that's not the message that got reported. On a hot summer day in July 2002, the principal investigators of the Women's Health Initiative were brought together and told that the study they were working on was being halted.
1: We were stunned.
0: Langer says the decision to stop the trial was largely because the therapy wasn't helping prevent disease, as scientists had hoped. The results of the study were set to be published in JAMA, the Journal of the American Medical Association, and the paper had already been accepted. But as Langer and several others read over the paper, they were like, wait a minute, they had concerns.
1: A small group of us asked if uh, it was possible for us to suggest some edits uh, to the paper.
0: So they made changes. Changes they hoped would make it clear that the study was designed to test only whether the benefits that newly menopausal women got from hormones would carry over to women who started taking hormones a decade or more after menopause. The changers were walked down the street to the JAMA offices and an hour or so later they were told,
1: Sorry folks, actually it's too late. Actually the paper has already been printed.
0: Most of the researchers on the study were not physicians or statisticians like Langer and his colleagues who wanted to make changes to the paper. The majority of them were psychologists, exercise physiologists, clinical social workers. They were women very much involved in women's health, but not from a statistical perspective. Langer says the dynamic among the researchers?
1: A really interesting sociological phenomenon began to emerge at lunch. There was a new sense of guilt that we had potentially unwittingly exposed women to an increased risk of breast cancer, and that if we were harming women, Uh, we had committed a really nasty sin.
0: Which is like, totally understandable. But that's not what the study actually showed. So when Langer saw the draft of the press release describing the results of the study.
1: The headline of the press release said, major hormone study stopped for breast cancer harm. I saw that and I about blew up.
0: It turns out the increased risk of breast cancer was not statistically significant. But the media blitz was huge. Think about it. Breast cancer is the disease women fear most. So when headlines said hormone therapy increases that risk and causes heart attacks, Langer says that scared millions of women in their 50s off a drug that could have helped them live longer. A generation later, the science is clear. Women who start taking hormones near menopause actually lower their risks for bone fractures, dementia, and heart disease. But that news has been slow to trickle down to primary care docs and slow to change the recommendations doctors give women. And so it totally frustrates Langer that today the current view hasn't changed all that much from that day in 2002 when women across the country threw their hormones in the trash. They still think that hormone therapy was a hoax, foisted upon them by doctors who wanted them to stay feminine forever. They still think that it'll give them breast cancer. And they still think it won't protect against heart disease and bone fractures. All of which is just plain wrong. After those scary headlines about the WHI... With 80% of menopausal women quitting hormones, well, a lot of them were still struggling with symptoms. And so some of them turned to alternative remedies, herbs like black cohosh to help with the hot flashes. And some got wind of something called bioidentical hormones, which they might've heard about from Oprah.
2: You feel flat and you feel tired. You haven't had a good night's sleep in two years. You feel like your life force is being sucked out of you.
0: In 2009, Oprah started what she called a national conversation about hormones. But
2: Let's start talking about it because there's so much shame around this issue of hormone replacement and menopause and women trying to be young and pretend that they're something that they're not, but feeling like they're not who they used to be.
0: And Oprah's right. The conversation about menopause seems to have gone underground again. The number of times the word menopause appears in print rose steadily all through the 60s, 70s, 80s and 90s. But it took a nosedive right around the time the NIH warned women off hormones. It was like, okay, science failed you. Go back to figuring this out on your own.
2: Hormone replacement is very controversial. Some women swear by it. Some women are really afraid of it. Uh, A lot of other women are confused about it.
0: She invited celebrity Suzanne Summers onto her show to talk about bioidentical hormones. Because... Summers is something of a walking, talking testimonial for how they help her stay young and sexy.
2: Once your kids are out of the house, you look at your husband and go, hey, it's nice. And uh, remember me, I've got a sex drive because I'm on bioidentical hormones. (laughs) And let's not discount that. Um, Suzanne Summers was very big into the exactly. bioidenticals. Now,
0: That's I Cynthia Gorni again. Now,
2: whenever I see Suzanne Summers' name on a product, my instinct is to run away in the opposite direction. Whenever I would ask scientists about bioidenticals, they would make a face like, oh, God.
0: So what are these bioidentical hormones? Well, it's really just a marketing term. But the idea is they're hormones that chemically match the ones our bodies produce naturally. They're made from plants and often are custom-mixed in these special compounding pharmacies. And the perception is that they're safer and more natural than FDA-approved drugs. You know, drugs like Premarin, which, as you may recall, is made from pregnant horse's urine, which is natural, but the folks at PETA aren't too happy about it, so they made this video. Hi, I'm B. Arthur with a message for women who take Premarin. Don't, it's made of horse urine. I'm not kidding. Premarin and its sister drug, Prempro, were the drugs that were studied in the Women's Health Initiative. And here's where we get to the other reason that earth shaking study was problematic.
2: The problem with the study was it was the wrong drugs on the wrong cohort of people.
0: By the wrong drugs, Cynthia means the study tested what's called conjugated equine estrogen, that's the horse urine one, either alone, which is Premarin, or in conjunction with a progestin hormone, which is Prempro. And neither Premarin or Prempro are chemically identical to our natural hormones. So why were there two drugs? Well, this gets a little complicated, but women who've had hysterectomies, who for some reason have had their uteruses removed, can take estrogen by itself. But if a woman still has her uterus, taking estrogen alone turns out to increase her risk for uterine cancer, so she has to combine estrogen with another hormone, progestin. Again, that's what PremPro is. I asked Robert Langer why the WHI decided to test Premarin and PremPro.
1: That's a great question. You know, nobody's asked me that for about 10 years.
0: And he said the reason was simple.
1: So the simple answer is we went with what was the standard of care.
0: Meaning these were the drugs most commonly prescribed. And so that makes sense. The maker of both Premarin and Prempro is Wyeth Erst. And it had spent millions marketing its way to make Premarin the number one hormone drug for women who want to stay vital in middle age. And the truth is, Premarin, estrogen alone, it came out of the WHI looking pretty good. It was shown to decrease the risk of heart disease, and it actually decreased the risk of breast cancer too, which is kind of amazing. But Prempro? The study showed it was actually dangerous for women over 60. And one reason for that could be that the progestin in Prempro is not bioidentical. Instead, Prempro contains a synthetic form of progestin called MPA. And MPA is now known to counteract the beneficial effects estrogen has on arteries and cholesterol. So are you still with me? Here's where we are now. We've got this whole alternative medicine industry that's cropped up to provide bioidentical hormones, like that anti-aging clinic I went to. These places appeal to women, mostly affluent ones, who in the aftermath of the Women's Health Initiative have come to distrust pharmaceutical companies and the whole medical establishment. In response, the FDA has come out with warnings saying there's no evidence these bioidentical hormones are safer. And some of the clinics, with their promises of restored vitality, might have a little too much snake oil mixed in with their hormones. And here's something that surprised me. There are plenty of FDA-approved hormone drugs that are bioidentical. And these drugs, unlike the ones you get through compounding pharmacies, have been tested for safety. And that means your insurance will actually pay for them. So back to Langer, who's on a mission to challenge the conventional wisdom about the dangers of hormones for women in their 50s. And since I've got one of the foremost experts on hormone therapy on the line, you know I'm going to ask about my own situation.
1: Just to talk personally for a minute. Right. So. Is it too late for me? So
0: Langer gives me his opinion.
1: I can't really give you clinical advice, but I can tell you sort of, you know, that uh, sidewalk consult.
0: At the time I first spoke to Langer, it had been five years since I'd gone through menopause. He says if you're within 10 years and you have hot flashes or thinning bones or some other reason to take hormones, you're in the clear.
1: You're certainly well within the envelope that there is no increased risk.
0: And given that my symptoms are moderate, he'd recommend hormones only if I had a strong history of heart disease or osteoporosis or even dementia which I do, three for three. My father had a heart attack in his 50s, my sister had blocked arteries, and my mother developed osteoporosis and dementia and then died of heart failure at 83. Come here. I'm back at the doctor to see about getting on hormones, but this time, it's not one of those anti-aging clinics, but my regular gynecologist. I admit I've been seeing other doctors, I'm here to kind of also confess that I went to one of those clinics. Because when you're seeing some alternative healthcare provider on the side, I almost felt like I was like cheating on my real doctors. I copped to the allure of replenishing my hormones to feel energetic and happy all the time. Probably attracted to the marketing. So I showed up there and they did this blood work. And then when I went in, they were like, like okay, we're ready to give you this estrogen, progesterone, and some testosterone mixed in, and it all sounded like pretty good. My doctor makes it clear. Hormone therapy is not going to keep me young. It's not going to keep my skin from wrinkling. It's not going to keep my hair from thinning. It's not going to help me lose weight. I know that I'm guilty of little magical thinking. But she does think it has benefits in preventing disease. And she says the reason that message has not gotten out is that doctors are kind of too embarrassed to change their minds about hormones yet again. So part of it is that I was like, yeah, I still have night sweats and hot flashes. You know, I have symptoms, but like, I think what put me over the edge was the idea that like, if there are preventative benefits, that would definitely tip the balance for me. And I'm kind of surprised, but she agrees. Given my strong history of heart disease, I stand to benefit from getting on hormones. She prescribes not PremPro, but a combination of FDA-approved estradiol and progesterone. She tells me she believes even women without symptoms should consider hormones at menopause if it makes sense for their medical history. But she confesses she rarely brings it up, because her patients look at her like, Are you kidding? How long before the advice changes and it's bad for you again? A good friend of mine once said, no matter how bad you think you look, there's someone who thinks you look absolutely marvelous. You, 10 years from now. And I'm trying to keep that in mind now that I've turned 60. Not that I care all that much. I mean, I've never been a woman who's defined herself by her looks. I'm not saying I have no vanity, just ask my husband, I do. But the truth is, what bothers me most about aging isn't the wrinkles or even the aches and the pains. It's that it means I'm closer to death. You may remember this as a theme from the first season of Midway. And of course, it's tinged with aging. If I were getting younger as this happened, yes, yes. where I realized part of why my son leaving home for college was so hard was that it just woke me up to the fact that I'm getting older. You're getting this double whammy of... Yeah. You're losing one thing and then it's like, oh yeah, and by the way, You're closer to death. Yes. Right. When my mother died, I was in the midst of menopause. When I gave the eulogy at her funeral, I was having hot flashes. And those two things coming together, it, it was as if I'd reached the top of a hill where I was finally far enough along on the path to see where it ends. My mother had always been ahead of me on that path, and now, all of a sudden, there was nothing else between me and that final destination on the horizon. So here's a trick I'm trying out. Even though these days I try to be mindful, I meditate and try not to live in the future too much, I make one exception. I try to tune into the voice of my future self, the one at the end of that path. Maybe she's 83, the age my mother was when she died. And she's looking at me now saying, oh honey, you're so brave. You're doing so well. And by the way, your skin looks great. You've got an amazing figure. And you're such a good dancer. Come to think of it, maybe that is my mother's voice. And don't forget to wear clean underwear in case you get into a car accident. I've been on hormones for almost two years now. And I feel good. And because I've also been eating less and lifting weights, I've managed to lose 20 pounds. But my doctor was right. Hormones are no fountain of youth.
2: I'm not trying to keep myself young forever. I'm just trying to keep myself as healthy as I know how to be. Um, I wear progressive lenses, right? I take ibuprofen (laughs) when my joints hurt. I take uh, calcium because my doc says I'm supposed to take calcium, you know? To me, that is on a continuum with using this patch. and right, I'm just, it's not
0: like a fountain of youth. It's, no, you know,
2: no, I don't have any fountain of youth notions about it. Right. I mean, I'm I'm perfectly normally wrinkled for a person of my demographic.
0: Scientists don't really understand the connection between hormones and mood, but there's preliminary evidence it can ease depression enough so that my friend Cynthia's doctors advised her to get back on her estrogen patch after her suicidal depression. And she's now back to her normal self. I'm not
2: willing to experiment on myself right now by stopping to see what would happen. Well, some people would say you are experimenting
0: on yourself by taking it.
2: That is a good point. Um, And I guess I would say you're right. And so far, the experiment has been a successful one for me.
0: The other day, I'm on my way to get a mammogram. And I get a glimpse of myself in the reflection of an office window. It's one of those moments when you see yourself as you look when you're not posing in front of the mirror. And I realize I'm starting to look like my mother. And you know what? I kind of like that. How are you? I'm good, how are you doing? Good, good. Would hormones have prevented my mother's heart problems or her dementia? Of course, there's no way of knowing. Perfect, hair. Stop breathing, hold your breath. The first edict of medicine is do no harm. And as doctors turn out to be all too human and patients are empowered to be joint decision makers in our own care, we've been put in the position of making sure that when it comes to our own health, that first, we do no harm. I think that's part of why so many women have decided not to take hormones. We're told it's our decision, but we have imperfect and confusing and conflicting information, so we do nothing to do no harm. Either way, it's a risk, and I'm not sure I can explain my decision, but I've embraced it. I certainly wouldn't try to convince anyone else to follow my path, but I've weighed the pros and cons. I've decided the ways estrogen may help me outweigh the very slight risk it may pose to my breasts. But I need to stay vigilant, so that's why I'm here. will feel tight again. Good. Hold right there. In the meantime, I go to my dance class every chance I get, and as I salsa across the dance floor, I do feel a bit lighter in my feet. Today's show was produced by me, Barbara Paulson. Music courtesy of Blue Dot Sessions. In the next episode, I'll be talking about taking risks as we get older. So, tune in next week. And one more thing if you like the show, I hope you'll tell your friends about it and maybe even leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Thought you were I thought you were Until then, thanks for listening.